0: This is The World in Brief, from The Economist. Atop top stories. Russia bombed the water system of Kriviri, a southern Ukrainian town, including a dam. Officials advised a mass evacuation. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, called the Russian army, weaklings who fight civilians. Meanwhile, Mr. Zelensky emerged unscathed from a car accident in Kyiv, the capital. He was returning from the city of Izum, which was liberated during Ukraine's recent counteroffensive. The Foreign Policy Committee of America's Senate approved groundbreaking new support for Taiwan, including $4.5 billion in military aid. Democrats and Republicans alike voted in favour of the Taiwan Policy Act, which may put Joe Biden on a sticky wicket. Were he to sign the bill into law, China, which regards the islands as a breakaway region, would erupt in outrage. Ethereum, one of the most important blockchain platforms, successfully completed a software upgrade that will significantly reduce the amount of energy it uses. The merge marks the transition from using the energy-intensive mechanism of verifying transactions, called proof-of-work, to the greener proof-of-stake method. The upgrade should also make the software project more secure and scalable. Armenia and Azerbaijan agreed to a truce after two days of fighting, according to a senior Armenian official. An earlier ceasefire, which Russia claimed to have brokered, quickly fell apart with the Caucasian adversaries blaming each other. Meanwhile, the armed forces belonging to Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan clashed across their border. Japan recorded its highest-ever trade deficit in August, as imports soared and the yen slumped. Imports increased by an annual rate of 50% in the year up to August, driven by the rising cost of buying energy from overseas. That resulted in a deficit of $19.7 billion. The yen has fallen by nearly 20% over the past six months to its lowest value against the dollar in 24 years. Mark Meadows, the final chief of staff to Donald Trump, America's former president, complied with a subpoena issued by the Department of Justice during its investigation into the storming of the Capitol on January 6th, according to CNN. Mr. Meadows is thought to be the most senior official to have cooperated with the inquest so far. The 83-year-old founder of Patagonia, a privately held maker of outdoor apparel based in California, has given away the company to a charitable trust. Ivan Chouinard said he had set up a charity to disperse Patagonia's profits, which amount to about $100 million a year, towards fighting climate change. He said the arrangement was preferable to selling Patagonia and donating the proceeds, or taking the company public. And fact of the day. 100 million. The probable number of samples in the world's largest forensic DNA database, held at China's Ministry of Public Security.
1: And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead France faces an energy squeeze. Like the rest of Europe, France has been battered by the inflationary consequences of Russia's war on Ukraine but the French have been largely protected from the worst of the blow. Inflation figures released on Thursday are expected to show that prices have been rising more modestly in France than elsewhere in Europe. This is mainly because President Emmanuel Macron's government has protected consumers from soaring energy prices. On Wednesday, it said it would further limit gas and electricity price rises for households to 15% next year. France has also been partly shielded from the tumult in global gas prices by its unusual dependence on nuclear power, which provides 42% of its energy supply. Still, this nuclear preponderance currently presents its own challenge. France is usually a net exporter of electricity, but over half of its 56 nuclear reactors are down for maintenance. That has left the country having to import electricity at high wholesale prices. She and Putin talk shop in Samarkand Western leaders are pointedly not invited to the Shanghai Cooperation Organization Summit, which takes place in Uzbekistan on Thursday and Friday. The Kremlin says that Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, will meet his Chinese counterpart, Xi Jinping, on the sidelines of the event to discuss Ukraine and Taiwan. Some attendees, including Iran's president, Ebrahim Raisi, share the pair's anti-American worldview. But the West has nothing to fear from the SCO. Founded by China, Russia, and four Central Asian states in 2001, It is largely a mere talking shop that focuses on regional economic and security issues. It is known for its ineffectiveness, made worse by a string of enlargements. India and Pakistan joined in 2017, importing to the SCO their fraught historical relationship. Iran's accession, agreed in 2021, imperils consensus too. Mr. Xi and Mr. Putin may wax lyrical about their visions of a multipolar world, but the SCO itself will focus more on grounded topics, such as the construction of two Chinese-backed railway lines in Central Asia. A Looming Rail Strike in America Much of American industry runs on rails. Nearly a third of domestic cargo shipments are moved by train. Disruptions can wreak havoc with supply chains. Yet America's 115,000 railway workers may soon stop work. For two years, their unions and railway bosses have failed to agree on a pay deal. Mediators, sent by President Joe Biden in July, failed to break the impasse. Negotiations will come down to the wire on Thursday. A designated mediation period ends first thing on Friday, at which point unions may call a strike. In August, the railway companies agreed to increase wages by 24% over five years, though two of the 12 unions want more concessions. Congress may ultimately force them to accept the offered terms but the big train firms have worries beyond this dispute. Staff shortages, exacerbated by years of layoffs, have slowed service. Regulators are irked. The head of the Surface Transportation Board has scolded carriers for their attitude of indifference and promised more oversight. Britain's Queen Lies in State One week after the death of Queen Elizabeth II, Thursday marks the first full day of her lying in state in London. Up to 750,000 people are expected to queue for miles to glimpse her coffin in Westminster Hall. Lying in state is observed by many countries. In Britain, it is the preserve of sovereigns, their consorts, and select prime ministers. The modern tradition of lying in state at Westminster Hall started in 1898 with Prime Minister William Gladstone. Queen Victoria declined the honor. Her son, Edward VII, became the first monarch to do so in 1910. Elizabeth's coffin is guarded by a vigil of soldiers. Her four children will take a turn, too. That ritual is the vigil of the princess. Yet in Scotland this week, Anne, the princess royal, became the first woman ever to take part. In death, as in life, the queen coaxes the royal family a little further into the modern world. Ukraine's Pirouettes of Patriotism an old conservatory in the Hogue has become a haven for more than 50 ballet dancers forced by war to flee Ukraine. Spurred into action by Igone de Jong, a Dutch former prima ballerina who became their artistic director and supported by English and Dutch ballet companies, the dancers formed the United Ukrainian Ballet. This week, the group performs Giselle a romantic tragedy at the Coliseum in London. For the dancers in exile, every panchet and pirouette is felt to be an act of patriotism and a moment of respite from thoughts of war. Ballet is a way to express my emotions, not to hold everything inside, says Olesky Nyaskov, a dancer from Kharkiv. Alexei Ratmansky a luminary choreographer who grew up in Kiev, is working with the company. The themes of hope and forgiveness in Giselle resonate, he explains. It's telling us that love is stronger than death. That is worth dancing for. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to Espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Thursday What is the real name of the Hulk? a Marvel superhero. Wednesday. Which American basketball team won successive NBA championships in 1994 and 1995? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Agatha Christie, who was born on this day in 1890. Where large sums of money are concerned,